So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored always by Alltag, and thanks to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge Service, and Intrepid Security. Now, my guest this week is Corin Dennison, Director of Global Profit Protection at Adidas. Now, Corin's worked with renowned brands around the world, including Burberry and Adidas, of course, helping them establish world-class global capabilities to protect their brand, IP, people, and assets globally, including working in LATAM, APAC, Greater China, CIS, North America, and Canada. And I'm sure there's another global acronym I've missed there as well. Now, his belief that security can be used as an enabler, allowing senior stakeholders to make informed decisions, is well known within the industry. Passionate about connecting with other brand leaders and sharing industry best practice. Now, Corinne is currently the Director of Global Profit Protection for said major German sportswear brand Adidas, with responsibility for all aspects of retail compliance, overseeing a retail estate of a huge 2,200 stores. His global profit protection team have won everything from OSPAs to retail risk awards. And Corin was crowned the Retail Risk Director of the Year as recently as 2019 and 2021. Now, in 2020, he became a director of the Insights Retail Risk Consultancy. And more on that in a moment. But Corin, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the introduction and for the kind words. Well, it's it's all you're an interesting one. Whenever you sort of uh, and you have this with a few leaders in the industry, you sort of put your name into LinkedIn uh, and you think, right, I'm just going to write a few words. And you have done an awful lot. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. a there's a lot on that CV. So come on, for those that don't know you and let's assume there is one or two of them in the world. Step me through your your background. And so take me through the career uh, and, and up to where we are at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I've been very fortunate, Paul, it'd be fair to say, um, started my career from from kind of uh, secondary school into retail. So originally with Sainsbury's as a, as a on the management scheme there for five years and then a very uh, wide and varied career in the police force, um, initially in Wiltshire and then with secondments with the National Football Intelligence uh, Service. So uh, working with the England national team for four years um back into force training as a detective then again secondment with a foreign office out to the middle east training iraqi police back uh to force major crime then joining the newly formed uh counter-terrorist unit for the southeast uh then attachments to special forces as a liaison officer and then um stepping out of that after 20 years and uh dipping my toe into the private sector as we used to call it in the in the police uh, with Burberry as their head of um, corporate investigations and then moving across to Adidas initially to do that role and then in 2018 moving over to take responsibility for uh, all things retail risk in Adidas Group. So yeah, I feel very honoured. Um, lots and lots of travel, um, seen lots of different ways that things can be applied. Um and dealing with some fantastic uh, stakeholders internally, but also some peer retailers externally. So uh, it's an ever-changing environment uh, we're we're in, and um, I think it's exciting. And uh, I like being a part of it. Um, fun fact: somebody asked me the other day, "Are you a security guy or a retail guy?" And I said, "That's a really interesting one because probably initially I would have said always, definitely a security professional first, retailer second, but." Actually, when I think about it, I've spent more time in retail now than I have um, in anything else. So uh, maybe I'm a, a retail professional who has a specialism in security. 
That sounds like a great opening paragraph on the top of that uh, that CV. So, I mean, it is super impressive. I have to say, I'm not quite sure uh, whether you should continue to apply your skills in the security and retail space or whether there's probably a career as a professional after dinner speaker with all of the stories that come from that uh, that resume. But yeah. so come on, which was the most fun bit? And, and, you know, we won't hold you to task to say the current bit. But, you know, when you look back, um, you know, and you think, oh, my God, pushing boundaries, that was crazy. What was the most scary bit? What was the fun bit? What stands out? Yeah, I mean, I often say I'm 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 quite simple in my needs. Is when I when I joined the police, I'd always wanted to be a police officer uh, for sure, and it was the reflective jacket and the blue flashing lights and the sirens. And I, I don't think I think around Wiltshire, if I was on a response run as a driver, you would see have seen me with a big smile on my face because um, that's that's how I got my kicks initially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think again, fun moments with the with the English FA is, is obviously working with the team where I ran about time with Shearer and Beckham. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, 20 years later, meeting David Beckham again with Adidas when I headed up the uh the World Cup uh security program in Brazil uh for eight weeks. Um and yeah, just some very different moments, you know, being in the officer's mess at uh, Hereford, uh, Sterling Lines, um, would never have imagined I'd have been there. Um, down to being in the Middle East with, yeah, with, you know, five, 50 cadets in the desert, trying to teach them, uh, you know, um, um, civil law and uh, uh, human rights. <laughs> so, as, as I said, I think I took my passion from from being a detective though from being an investigator um learning from professionals about the devil is in the detail um and then transitioning out i made a very conscious decision that i didn't want to be a police officer in a company um i remember when i was recruited the per- when i was being interviewed somebody said to me we like you but we're not sure we need a cop in a luxury brand and I made that decision in that interview and said, I am not going to be that person. I'm going to be someone who will bring those skills. However, will apply them commercially and sensitively within this environment. And I think probably now people don't, people are very surprised when I tell them I was a police officer. Um, but for sure, uh, you know, being in a branded organization now, seeing athletes going to some of these, you know, flagship events, um, and the same when I was in luxury fashion, you know, Milan, Paris fashion show, Corinne Dennison, a lad from Plymouth, you know, stood there <laughs> with David Cameron and his wife. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit surreal and you have to pinch yourself. But um, yeah, I guess life's what you make it. Yeah, and it is interesting. You know, there are people who are ex-police, ex-military, and you can spot them a mile off. But to your credit, I don't think you aren't you aren't that person. So you know, when you, you explain your background and you talk about it, it fits in. But I think you're right. You don't come across as the uh, as the ex-police officer in the room. So, uh, yeah, you've, you've, you've morphed that very well, I have to say. So, uh, yeah, and Thank I think you. it's it served you well also. So, look, back to, I want to just Adidas for the moment. What does the, uh, the world of three stripes look like right now? I mean, what are the, the sort of pressures that Adidas are under? from a risk and LP perspective around the world? You know, what, what are the things taking your time? Yeah, I mean, I've been a, a long time now, a, a, a advocate, you know, a poster Charles for, for what we saw in e-commerce after COVID. Um, 
and particularly at the moment around managing returns fraud um, and those behaviours that were kind of non-traditional. Um, I've always credited, you know, the team that work with me, for me, um, in that, you know, I surround myself with with committed, loyal, dependable professionals who, who deliver. And um, in the physical space, you know, we have some fantastic branded spaces. And, and again, you, you referenced it. Uh, my job was to for this team to be an enabler, not an inhibitor, was, was to take creativity and to embrace it, but to allow the business to make informed decisions on risk. And if you have a large risk appetite, you, maybe you take you know more risky decisions, and if you don't. Um, but of course, then when DTC came along and then e-commerce, and um, it, it, it felt different. And, and there was often a little bit of caution from the physical security, physical space, that well, we're 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 physical bricks and mortar. We're not ecom. That's left to somebody who does you know digital or computer or coding. Um, and I think I think professionals and organisations have realised actually that the offending group is the same. You know, the person that comes and steals from a store is probably somebody that would also commit a fraud online. Um, and therefore, you know, whilst they are very different channels, the risks some of those risks are actually shared. So I think it's quite an exciting space. Um, I think also some of the the commercial risks in organisations are trading. You know, COVID traffic down. You know, we moved a lot of of our trade went online. Uh, businesses that didn't have online suffered. Um, and I think now coming back to a balance, we've gone into a cost of living crisis, which you know is still very much talked about. Um, and what has that done with the, uh, I say the offending group, what has that done to the audience, your consumer audience? Um, I'm a big believer in, in analyzing behavior. It's the policeman in me, you know, the investigator in me. It's not so much you stole something. I want to know why you stole it. I want to know why you stole it from me. I want to know what you were going to do with it. Um, you know, why this brand versus another brand? Um, so I think, again, looking into the online space, that's that's something I, I'm, I'm very passionate about trying to understand, offering a different perspective. Um, we've become very creative with our consumers. We've extended trust to a level that probably 10 years ago we would never have done. You know, instant refunds, um, you know, free returns, um, buy now, pay later, buy now, pay in three installments. Um, what I try to tell my stakeholders is, Every great idea, which is indeed great and clearly will drive some consumer traffic, will carry a certain risk. And again, my job is just to help you understand what that risk could be before immersing yourself into that initiative. And if you're prepared to take the risk, then go ahead, knock yourself out. But actually, don't be surprised if you didn't assess the risk that something may happen later down the line. Um, so there are now more commercial decisions coming into the risk area. So I think risk managers are now being tasked with um, questions such as profitability. Discounting uh, has become a very hot topic. Discount stacking. Is it, is it a, a fraud risk? No. We, you know, the, the retailer controls discounting. They control who they sell to. And they control how much they sell to that consumer. However, it does pose a commercial risk to your P&L if you don't get that balance right. And considering that uh, LP professionals or heads of control 
exception-based reporting tools. They control the point of sale. We have all of the data in front of us. We've often been looking at internal risk versus external risk, but we've now being asked to look at profitability and to give insights from that same data. So I think that's again where two years ago we talked about COVID and how it amplified the role of the uh, risk manager. Now I think profitability is doing the same thing. Uh, it's just how we apply ourselves and how we stand up with that data um, to inform the business. And are we seen again as an enabler or an inhibitor? It is interesting. You know, something I picked up on there is you said the people that commit crime in stores are the same people that commit crime online but it's still i find it incredibly difficult to comprehend the amount of retailers that still don't join the different channels together but you know any of the fraudsters or organized crime gangs whenever they're interviewed they always talk about stealing data in store ordering it online redirecting it through the call center so you know to hear you talking about having that more holistic view it clearly makes sense and certainly COVID's driven that. But I think you're still, you know, you're not in the, you're still in the minority in many cases because people only just seem to be pulling that together. And I'm not quite sure why that is, but I mean, you've been talking about that for years. Is it, is it the ex-police officers in the, in the physical world that can't understand online? Is it just too difficult? Why do you think retailers are having such a hard time in taking that, holistic view that that the fraudsters do yeah i think some of it is built into the dna of the brands around competitive advantage mm. we talk about it a lot is risk should risk be a competitive advantage those of us that are a little bit more open-minded would say no because we share that risk on the high street we share it online if, if uh, an offending group comes to you and you do not warn your competitors of the presence then uh, they suffer in that moment. But the same thing happens there. If they go to them, they're not going to tell you. So why would you not share uh, or collaborate best practice, data, intelligence to mitigate that risk completely? And so you can all be on the same playing field. I think the, the other one, again, is around data and data privacy. And I think still possibly a lack of understanding around GDPR for Europe, that you cannot share data. Uh, whereas under certain, certain circumstances, you can. Um, and I think, again, it's about retailers collaborate, either collaborating together by themselves or vendors offering retailers the opportunity to say, hey, I serve six retailers and you all service this same tool. And we see, we see patterns of behavior in, in all of your data that we think you should actually all be signing up to so that you can all benefit from it. And there are there are now solutions coming out there which are driving retailers to say, are you happy to share your data with this retailer? And that way, then you will see um, a consumer potentially through multiple lens, not just your lens, uh, particularly in the online space. If you take returns fraud or claims fraud, if you are at the first time a consumer claims against you, you can only see that consumer from that point of view. And if it's a good payment and the value isn't too, too high, you're more, I would say, 99.9% .9 likely to say, okay, honor that claim. However, if you saw that consumer through five lens and you said, well, actually, it's your first claim against me, but you've made 25 claims against these retailers in the last two weeks, would that 
change my decision. And I'm not suggesting it should or it shouldn't, but at least you're making an informed decision when you press the button that says approve. Um, and I'll be brutally honest with you, intelligence now is everything. The, the fraud groups, more so than fiscal space, um, we hear about organized retail crime a lot. Uh, we hear about shoplifting gangs, 20, 30, uh, probably 30 is too many. In the online space, what you have is fraud forums on Telegram with 5,000 individuals who are members of that fraud forum. And somebody puts a great idea saying, go to this brand. Uh, they just raised their basket size to 5,000 uh, pounds. They, they, can, they can turn around a claim in three days. Um, and uh, if you tell them you didn't get the article in the box, uh, they'll, they'll refund straight away. And then 5,000 individuals all execute at the same time, around the same time, but independently, and they hit your website with claims. How do you regulate that? You've got to stem that flow. I mean, there was a, there was a, I, I was kind of well known for a saying I said last year, which said, our main aim here with our programs is not to be the brand of choice for fraud. We don't want to get money back. We don't want to, um, you know, we don't disrupt too much. We just do not want these groups yeah. having us on their list. We would rather they say go somewhere else. And to some degree, I think we've had a, a, a yeah, pretty much an element of success in mitigating yeah. uh, that. Not completely for sure, because we're a big brand, we're scalable, and therefore, you know, our losses compared to a much smaller brand, it's all relative. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime, 3X Logic. I think your, your point about vendors now providing a service, it feels as if there's one or two, you know, step, they're, they're now at a point where there's genuine benefit to be had. And we're seeing some of those vendors out there and retailers are collaborating. And to your point, you know, that first claim that you might normally have just waved through, if that person's done 25 claims on a number of other retailers, it's now showing up. We still need more retailers to come in. You know, arguably, there should be a national uh, you know, database for all of this, but I'm not sure that's coming anytime soon. So we yeah. have to make, make do with commercial entities doing the best they can. But it does feel as if they're making genuine progress. So, uh, yeah, long may it continue. Now, um, I understand that from a professional perspective, there might be some exciting news on the horizon for you, Corinne. So come on, tell all. Yeah, so I'll say you hear it, heard it here first, but maybe not. Uh, so yeah, so uh, towards the end of June, I will be uh, transitioning uh, away from um, said sportswear brand into um, my consultancy uh, that has been up and running in fairness for about seven years um the the consultancy was set up um back end of 2016 2017 primarily offering training services um going back to again my established skill set in interviewing and conversation management and investigations um but in the last two years really looking at how again within this space doing something i won't say completely different as consultants but offering services around the kind of retail operations, stroke, risk management. Um, so, yes, yeah, so um, Insight Retail Risk Consultancy um, is, is live and uh, 
will be hard launched at the end of June um, and coming to a, a space near you. Um, but yeah, exciting times. Uh, I mean, again, I've, I've learned so much in my time working for somebody um, and at the grand old age of um, 35, I've decided to um, to then, yeah, try and do something uh, and work for myself and see how that, that kind of works out. Um, so uh, very best of luck. Congratulations on that. Very, very exciting. So um, before we came on air, you alluded to a couple of uh, projects and contracts you've got going. I'm not sure whether you can share any of those with us now we are on air but uh the sort of things and that you'll be doing and the sort of things you'll be doing for yeah. people and which part of the world might it be happening in yeah so um we have some retained contracts already so we have uh, the offerings we have so we are we still offered a train a training solution which is going again going to go live which is accredited to a couple of universities in in the uk um and again, really, that, that's a gap that we saw that, that, that although there are training companies and some very good ones out there, that there, there isn't a lot of offerings there and actually scalable offerings to the size of your organization. Um, for sure, we, we're, we're not going to be a KPMG or a Deloitte in this world yet, but um, we wanted to provide options for for, for retailers uh, with regards to that and LP professionals. Um, on the other side, serving uh, solution ben, uh, providers we, we can support with go-to-market strategies, giving insights as to what retailers want and how how solutions integrate. I think that's one of the, the biggest learnings of my time on the uh, business side is that people come into my organization telling me they think they know what I want or what I need or how it will work. But actually, when you realize the complexity of having to, there is very rarely anything in this world that is plug and play. Mm. So helping uh, solution providers with marketing strategies, engagement, it's its definitely not about a little black book. And I go through my little black book and then I tap up all of the peers that I've worked with in the last 10 years. And then in the middle there is the retailer space. So supporting retailers, uh, big, small, again, with how to execute programs, you know, be surprising how many retailers are still not really in, uh, using exception-based reporting um case management rfid you know all of those great topics which are out there so so it's a range of services um excited to say that we have clients now in three continents um which uh, is super exciting because again for those that have been on a retail risk conference and presented you'll know that there genuinely is a different level of maturity in different areas of the world um or a level of maturity where there's a perception that we know what we know and then you offer a different perspective um exciting thing for me is i spend more time now speaking to non-risk professionals such as cmos cios um who who are captured by what we do so again i almost feel like i'm an ambassador for retail risk in actually saying it's not just about lp it's not just about shoplifters that's the value so if you have one uh, a leader in that organization treasure them if you don't have one ask yourself maybe we might need to start looking towards having one um but yeah it's super exciting um so uh watch out i'll, I'll be at a re retail risk event for sure because 
I love attending and I love the networking, um, but equally other events in e-commerce and digital and, and uh, other physical elements like brand protection. Um, because again, there are synergies across these channels. I think we silo too much. You know, a lot of what we do is relevant to brand protection, legal, counterfeit, as it is to loss prevention, profitability uh, and the other things. But I think all of that's indicative of, if you like, the professionalism and how this part of the industry has grown up and now has a seat at the top table, reports to the board, is invited to present to the board, is involved in property decisions, refit decisions. You know, 20 odd years ago, that just wasn't the case. It was a group of ex-coppers in a corner talking about how many shoplifters they'd arrested. You know, it really, there's been a, a fascinating evolution and it's data and it's online. So, you know, people like yourself that have made that transition and then can help people, you know, put together coherent arguments at board, le board level, because, you know, there's still plenty of people out there that have had their moment of glory to get that big project over the line and come away without the funding because <laughs> they've not yeah. been able to articulate it in a business perspective. They've focused just on, on the risk. So I'm guessing, you know, somebody like yourself can coach them. You know, we need to, we've got away for the most part from being the no department into being the yes department, but this is what you need to be aware of. So there you go. Maybe there's, maybe there's a slogan for your t-shirt there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the one we have at the moment is creating safer spaces for consumers to shop and yeah. employees to serve. But it, it is, you're absolutely right. It's about being commercial. Um, businesses now are acutely aware of, of, of where they're making their money and where they're not making their money. And I think our role is to fit into that nicely and to speak the language of the stakeholder as i yeah. said you know it's, it's very difficult for a stakeholder to speak the language of a lp security individual because it's very bespoke and niche uh, much easier for us to adapt to to that environment and learn and understand where our skill sets can actually add the most value in their world Yes, there you go. It's a little bit like we all speak Flemish and we need to uh, to go and present in English. So, look, um, I'm not anybody from Belgium listening. I do apologise. So, look, retail's been through the mill over the last few years. When you sort of, I mean, you've got a huge lens to look through. What do you think the next few years looks like from a retail and a risk perspective? Are you just the opportunity for the wrong reasons? Are you excited about physical retail bouncing into a new area? What, what are your sort of... Uh, thoughts on it yeah i mean i do think there has i mean clearly that there is an economic economic uh, impact on retail at the moment and i think retailers are still deciding where that where to put their investment for sure physical retail is is not dead consumers like to touch they like to experience they like to be out there but it's very different formats now whether it's shopping malls whether it's uh flagships whether it's a, a a hybrid you know a city center out of city center and then where how do you build digital into that how do you build e-commerce into that how do you build those endless aisles that means you'll you'll never lose a consumer you'll always convert somewhere in in the experience um and i think there again as we keep on innovating how we interact with the consumer is is where the risk journey continues to follow mobile pos self-checkout um 
RFID, Endless Isle, uh, Click and Collect, all of these initiatives continue to evolve to provide a consumer with the ultimate choice. There should be no avenue that isn't there to say, hey, we can do it for you. You know, you don't want to carry your shopping through the shopping center to the car. We can service that for you. Um, and of course, we've just got, again, be acutely aware of where those risks are and how they how they evolve. Um, membership. Um, and again, we took loyalty programs are not new, but loyalty programs are the gateway to capturing, retaining a consumer. I mean, a member is 55 percent more likely to spend again with you than a non-member. So of course, the brands are now looking to say, I want to acquire everyone as a member, and then I have to keep them. And how do I do that? Well, I'm going to layer on discount, opportunity, incentives, you know, tickets, all of that kind of thing. And of course, in that group are those individuals who will be trying to leverage processes, loopholes, uh, some criminal, some just process driven. And our again, our job is to be as profitable as possible, and therefore, to advise the businesses as a consult internal consultant i mean i i'm i'm going to do it externally uh and independently but lp risk managers internally in their businesses are consultants in in the main um so i, I think i think it's just it's technology as it evolves metaverse we've talked about for a long time is it going to be the next best thing or is it going to carry so much risk still to be decided um because we don't know we really don't know and and the consumer is driving that you know if a consumer wants to spend five thousand pounds on a, a virtual item um could we have ever foreseen that and actually now that we know it is possible how do we start kind of reducing that risk so um yeah. and as you say there are some solutions coming out now which which are, are exciting in the next couple of months as some around um merging for example um counterfeit uh, alerts to clienteling to reselling you know where we've actually accepted i want to know whether that's genuine i then want to put it into my digital wardrobe and show off to my friends uh and then actually i don't want it i want to resell it for a profit so i then put it onto StockX. yeah um how cool would it be if you had a tool that did all of those things watch out there's one coming this soon ah <laughs> Well, hopefully you were involved in the development of that because I think that one might have legs. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what comes. Um, Corin, it's always an absolute pleasure. Um, uh, I wish you all the best uh, in your new venture. I've no doubt that you'll be uh, uber successful and uh, and flying all over the world uh, as you've been doing for the last few years. But for now, Corin, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it.